You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, this morning we're continuing on in our toxic series. Uh, last week, uh, as we stepped into or as we launched the series, we thought it was good to provide a good, simple, working definition of toxic. If you recall, the definition that we presented is that toxic is anything containing poisonous material that is capable of causing sickness or even death. Let me say that again, toxic is anything containing poisonous material that is capable of causing sickness or even death. Now it's with that definition, it's with that thought in mind that over the course of this series, we want to work to identify and consider the impact of toxic surrounding forces that are always at work against us. Um, Last weekend, as we took some time to consider the impact of these uh, toxic influences, uh, we looked at first, uh, we talked about, uh, uh, what did we talk about last week? We talked about uh, toxic thinking. I lost my train of thought for a moment. We talked about toxic thinking. And, and uh, today we're going we're gonna to focus on toxic influences. Um, You see, toxic influences are always at work around us. They're working together to construct and to bring into being septic, destructive, toxic behaviors and mental processes that far too often we all struggle with or we're challenged with. Now, when we are working through this, we have to understand the goal of the series is not simply to identify these toxic forces, but we want to learn how to um, recognize and remove these toxic forces, these toxic influences from our lives and replace them with biblical truth that brings us to a place of, leads us to a place of freedom from the toxic intent of the toxic influences. Um, so this weekend, as we step into the, to the topic or the subject of toxic influences, I want to begin to lay a foundation, and I think that it's uh, probably best to do the same thing that we did last weekend in the same way that we gave a definition for um, a toxic. We want to also this morning provide a good simple working definition for influence so that we make sure that we're learning from the same page. And so you'll see there in your notes, there's a definition for influence. Influence is the power to affect the character, the development, the behavior of a person or an individual. Let me say that again. Influence is the power to affect the character, the development or the behavior of a person or situation. Let me give a few examples. Parents have the ability to influence their children. In fact, we're supposed to. A parent has the ability to influence the character, uh, the development, and the behavior of their child. Um, An employer has the ability to influence an employee. An employer has the ability to influence the character, the development, and the behavior of an employee. Um, A friend, 
A friend has the power to influence another friend. A friend can influence, has the power to affect your character, your development, and your behavior. That's what friends can do. As we continue to kind of work in and laying this foundation, I think it's important that we understand that there are actually two kinds of influence. First of all, there's an influence that has the ability to add value to and and help to build up character. That's life-giving influence. But there's also a kind of influence that has the ability to negatively impact a person and contaminate a person's character. And that's called life-altering character. Uh, This morning, the question that I want us to be aware of and the question that I want us to ask is, How am I being influenced? How am I being influenced? What are the influences around me? What are the toxic forces around me that are influencing me? Uh, Before I go any further, I want to pull a story from history that I think will help broaden our understanding of this whole concept of toxic influences. The story comes from London, 1854. In 1854, in the city of London, particularly in the district of Soho, and more specifically in a region, a borough called um, the Broad Street Borough, there was an outbreak of cholera. Um, In that outbreak of cholera, in the Broad Street area, in that small community, 616 people died as a result of that cholera outbreak. It was believed that cholera was spread through airborne particles that were contaminated. Others believed that cholera was spread as germs were passed from one body to another. There was a doctor, a doctor by the name of Dr. John Snow. Dr. Snow began to believe otherwise about the spread of cholera, so he began to do some research. And in his research, he discovered that the source of contamination for the Broad Street cholera outbreak was not through airborne particles. And it was not through germs passed from one body to the other, but there was a contaminated water source. And more specifically, there was a pump on Broad Street where the water was coming from and contaminated water was coming up. It was contaminated in such a way that it was causing the cholera outbreak. When that water pump was moved, removed from Broad Street, guess what? The death from cholera cholera stopped. And here's the point I want to make. Once the source of the infection, once the source of the contamination was identified and removed, the negative consequences, the death that came as a result of the cholera or the infection was no longer existent. You hear what I'm saying? Once the source was identified and removed, the source of infection, then the infection no longer became a problem. It was gone. There was no more death. How does that translate to you and I? If you and I want to experience freedom from the toxic influences that are surrounding us, we have to recognize and cut off the source of the infection. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have to recognize, we have to cut off the infection at its source. Toxic influences are constantly 
at work around us. And the goal of those toxic influences is to infect us, to contaminate us. And ultimately, as we think about our life in Christ, the goal of those toxic influences would be to pull us away from our relationship with God and cause us to compromise in one or many ways. So we can see the danger of toxic influences. We have to be proactive. If we're going to uh, guard ourselves from the contamination, uh, the infection of toxic influences, you and I have to be proactive and we have to do our part. There's a passage of scripture in your notes, Proverbs 25, 26. I'd like for you to read it with me when I say go. Are you ready? Let's go. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. I want to read this to you also from the New Living Translation. I love the way it says it. It says, if the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. And here's what that verse tells us. You and I, we are not without choice as to what we will allow to contaminate us. We are not without choice as to what we will allow to infect us. We are not without choice about uh, the, the influences around us and how we're going to act and react to those influences. But listen, in order to make the right choices, we must be aware of the source of the toxic influences that are competing for our attention. And so it's with this in mind that I want to spend the remainder of our time identifying some very specific toxic influences. Um, I want to identify some toxic influences that are continually competing for our attention. And as we begin to move through this, I have identified three. There are many. But I have identified three, and I want to go ahead and give them to you so you have a roadmap of where we're going. But no, I'm going to go back and unpack them so you don't have to worry about if you've got the blank filled in yet. Okay, because I'll go back and I'll make sure there's a chance. Getting the blank filled in is really important, isn't it? You're all agreeing with me. And if I go past you, you go, wait, you're safe. I'm going to make sure. But here's what I've identified. Um, The three toxic influences that I want to deal with, I want us to consider this morning. First, uh, what I've classified as inside influences. And then I want us to take time to consider the opposite, outside influences. And then I want us to take some time to consider what I've classified as fireside influences. And like I said, we're going to begin to move through and I'm going to unpack these. So let's begin with a consideration of inside influences. In considering inside influences, I want us to begin to think in terms of toxic company. Toxic company. And as you're thinking about toxic company, I want you to begin to think about the inner circle of relationships that you come in contact with on a daily basis. Think about that inner circle of people that you come in contact with every day. Some of those you have chosen. They are your friends. Others, you didn't choose them. They're in your inner circle by default. Maybe they're uh, an employer, uh, uh, an employee, a colleague. Listen to this. In that inner circle, 
sometimes we have to say, it's my family. I didn't choose my family, right? I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm just saying the truth. We were placed in our family. So we have to consider in that inner circle of relationships, begin to consider the people who you come in contact with every day. And then I want to say this. It is very likely that some, not all, but some of the people in that inner circle of relationships suffer. They've been infected by what we talked about last week, toxic thinking. Some of the people in your inner circle of relationships have been infected, even contaminated by pessimism. Some of the people in your inner circle of relationships may have been infected or even contaminated by worry. Again, it's not everyone, but some. Some of the people in your inner circle of relationships may have been infected by or contaminated by bitterness. And some of the people in your inner circle of relationships maybe have been infected by or contaminated by critical thinking. And maybe some of the people in your inner circle of relationships have been infected by all of those things. Uh, Regardless of which it may be, and if it's true, it has distorted uh, the way they think, the way they see the world. Um, The filter through which they see is either pessimism or worry or, or bitterness or critical thinking. And it's possible that if a person has been infected by this kind of uh, thinking, this toxic thinking, that what's going on inside of them begins to work itself to the outside and it begins to spew off on the people around them. And so if you're in that inner circle and you're dealing with someone who is uh, infected or contaminated with pessimism, If you're around them long enough, that begins to work itself out. And suddenly you find yourself being covered with the contamination of pessimism. Here's the problem with that. Contamination breeds contamination. Let me say that again. Contamination breeds contamination. There's a great example of this in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 6. I'm not going to have you turn there. I'm going to actually tell you the story. Um, The story has four main characters. The characters are John the Baptist, Herodias, who is the king, um, King Herod, Herodias, who is his wife, and Herodias' daughter. We don't know her name. What we know about John the Baptist is that by God's appointment, John the Baptist was appointed as the forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist is the one who says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. What we also know about John the Baptist is that John was a very straightforward, strong-willed prophet of God. John the Baptist was not afraid to call people out on their sin. And that's what he did to King Herod. You see, King Herod was involved in an adulterous marriage. King Herod was actually married to Herodias, who had been the wife of Herod's brother, Philip. And so with that knowledge, John the Baptist calls it out. He says, you're in an adulterous marriage. You're living in sin. And when he did this, it stirred up toxic influences in the palace. And those toxic influences came from Herodias. 
Mark chapter 6 verse 19 says that Herodias had nursed a grudge against John the Baptist because of what he had done and she wanted to kill him. Could we safely say from that that she was contaminated? Yeah, yeah, there was infection. There was contamination there. Uh, One evening, King Herod gave a great banquet. And at this banquet, he invited Herodias' daughter. Again, we don't know her name. But he invited her to dance at the banquet before his guest. He was so pleased with what she did. This is great. This is so cool. I've never seen anything like this. I'm so impressed that you can ask me for anything you want up to half of my kingdom. And at that moment, Herodias, who was infected, had nursed a grudge and wanted to sing John the Baptist dead, said, this is my time. This is my moment. This is my opportunity. And so she called her daughter aside and she began to talk to her. And she, as she talked to her, she began to spew out her contamination. She began to spew that contamination onto her daughter. And she said, here's the deal. I don't like John the Baptist. In fact, I hate him. I got a grudge against him for what he did. And I want to see him dead. And you can help me with this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the king. And I want you to say, king, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to gift me with. I want you to gift me with the head of John the Baptist on a platter. We know that she was contaminated because she was unable to say no. So she goes to the king and she says, here's what I want, king. I want you to bring me the head of John the Baptist on the platter. And we know that the king became contaminated because he was unable to say no. So later that night, I don't know how long, maybe a couple of hours later, a platter arrives at the banquet and guess whose head's on it? John the Baptist. And it's all because contamination breeds contamination. Herodias spewed out. She contaminated her daughter. Listen, contamination breeds contamination. And here's the takeaway for us. Listen to this. The company that we keep has the power to add value or to infect our character and our behavior. I'm going to say that again. Listen, the company that we keep has the power to add value or to infect our character and our behavior. Because this is true, we need to be willing to do whatever it takes We need to consistently assess our inner circle of relationships. And when we identify um, toxicity, when we identify within that that company uh, poison, infection, we must do whatever we need to do to guard our hearts and our minds so that we don't become infected. Now, in saying that, it would be easy to say, oh... That means that there are some relationships that I'm going to need to cut off. Not necessarily. And here's one of the reasons I say that. Sometimes this toxicity consists within a marriage. 
Am I right? Yeah. And so what I'm not saying this morning is I'm, I'm not saying if your spouse is toxic and spewing on to you, you should go home and say, hey, the pastor said at church today, you're toxic and I can leave you, get out of my life. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that of the other relationships. Sometimes in relationships, you have to step back. You have to remove yourself because of the toxicity. But there are other times in a relationship, because the relationship is actually so valuable, you step in and you say, we need to have a talk. We need to have an honest conversation. This is what I've noticed has been happening. I'm concerned for you. You might not want to say you're contaminated. But you might want to say, I'm concerned for you. I've noticed uh, the filter that you're thinking through and how you're processing has just been a bit different. It's, it's been negative. And it's been affecting me. And I want to encourage you to uh, make some changes. Uh, get some help. And so you move into the relationship and you give them a chance to fix it. Contamination breeds contamination. Don't become contaminated by inside influences. Um, So we've looked at inside influences. Let's take some time to consider outside influences. And as we consider outside influences, I want us to consider the toxic influence of the culture. The toxic influence of the culture around us. Let me ask, is it possible... That we've allowed the ever-changing, confused um, mindset of the culture around us to saturate us and redirect our beliefs. And as a result, because the culture has affected us, the culture has saturated us, as the culture redirects our beliefs, it's even caused us to have a distorted view of what it actually means to be a Christian. Have we given ourselves so much to the culture that we're, we're lining up with the culture rather than lining up with biblical truth? We're looking to the culture to understand what it means to be a Christian as opposed to looking to biblical truth of what it means to be a committed follower of Christ. Is it possible that we've allowed uh, the culture, which is fueled by comparison, is it possible that we've allowed this culture to cause us to lose sight of our own moral consciousness And because we've lost sight of it, we have a distorted view of God. Again, we're living in comparison, which causes us to live in compromise. I'm just asking, is it possible? And is it possible that we've lost sight of the truth that says just because everybody else is doing it, it doesn't make it right? Did you hear what I said Just because everybody else is doing it. Listen, it doesn't make it right. Just because everybody's saying it, just because everybody's practicing it, just because everybody's expressing it on social media, it doesn't make it right. The only way to know if it's right is does it line up with biblical truth? That's our source. That's our guide. We cannot deviate 
from it. There's a great story in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'd like for you to turn there or maybe go there electronically with your phone or your tablet, whatever you might have. And as you're turning to 1 Samuel chapter 8, let me give you just a little bit of background, a little context. Um, uh, this was during the time for Israel when they were being um, uh, ruled not by a king, but by judges. And there had been a series of judges, and they're coming to the end of the period of the judges. Samuel had been one of the last judges. As he got older, he appointed his two sons to, uh, to, to the role of judge. And the people rose up and they, they said to Samuel, we're not pleased with how your sons are carrying this out. And so they voiced their complaint beginning in chapter 8, verse 4. Beginning in verse 4, it says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old. Don't you think that hurts, Samuel? You're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now listen to this. Now appoint a king to lead us, listen, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen, do all that the people are saying, to, uh, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king will do who will reign over them. So... Somehow, by way of comparison, the Israelites thought they were missing out because all of the other nations had a king and they're stuck with judges. And they say, we're missing out. Give us a king. Give us a king. Let us be like all the other nations. They entered into discontentment. The problem is that in their discontentment, they began to reject God. And that's what God said. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're actually rejecting me as their king because there's only one true king. They're rejecting me as their king. They were discontent and they were comparing and, and, and they lost sight of it because here's the problem. Yes, all of the other nations had a king, but those nations didn't worship the one true God, the sovereign God. They had other gods. They had gods who were dead. And Israel worshipped a God who was alive. And that's why this whole predicament of giving us a king like another na- other nations wouldn't work. The people were infected by comparison. They were rejecting God. Listen, here's the takeaway for you and I. Oftentimes, without even realizing it, we become infected by the culture. We get caught up in comparison. Our perspectives get distorted and the culture begins to redirect our beliefs. And as default, we begin to reject God the more we step into compromise. And as we reject God, back to what I said earlier... For us, we're actually rejecting what it actually means to be a Christian, what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, because there's only one way to know that. And it's what does this book tell us? 
If we're going to be fully committed followers of Christ, we have to look here and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us and teach us what it says. Just because everyone else is doing it or saying it or posting it or believing it, it doesn't make it right. I love uh, Romans 12, 2 from the living, uh, the message version of the Bible says this. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Contamination breeds contamination. Let's look at the final one. Fireside influences. In considering fireside influences, I want us to consider infectious, toxic conversations. Infectious, toxic conversations. You and I must always be on guard against Toxic conversations. We have to be on guard against conversations that have the ability to infect our perspectives, our observations, our perceptions. If you think about it, this is exactly what happened to Eve in the garden. Eve engaged in a conversation And she became infected. She engaged in a conversation with the serpent. And in that particular conversation, it was infected with deception. And as a result, contamination breeds contamination. Eve became infected by deception. And we know how that ended. I want you to take your Bibles again, or your phones, and I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. I want to read... Uh, six verses to you from Genesis chapter 3. Um, if we look back to chapter 2, uh, if we were reading it, we would find that God had created Adam and Eve. He placed them in this beautiful garden that he had created, paradise. And he said, all of this is yours. You tend to it. You take care of it. And also, you can eat from any tree in this garden except for the one that's in the middle of the garden. And that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from that tree, and it's only this tree that will do this, but if you eat from that tree, you will die. Eve begins to engage in a conversation in chapter 3 with a serpent. And it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, listen to this, he begins to plant doubt. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And here, listen to this, deception. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Eve engaged in an infected conversation. You might say, well, how did she know? She needed to be on guard. 
This conversation was infected with deception. And first, the serpent planted doubt. And oftentimes, you and I can engage in uh, a toxic conversation. We may not even realize at first that it's toxic. But suddenly, in that conversation, there's something that transpires that causes doubt to be planted. And doubt begins to grow. And then if we engage in that conversation long enough, it's very possible that deception can be sown into that. And even in our own Christian life, uh, conversations that can happen that can cause us to begin to doubt what we know to be true about God. And as that doubt settles in, then we find ourselves hearing uh, someone say, it's okay if you do that. God won't care. He loves you. He wants you to enjoy life. He's not concerned about sin. In fact, he doesn't even consider that sin. And that's deception. But if we're not careful, if we're not on guard, if we're not being proactive, that doubt, that seed of doubt can take root and begin to grow. And suddenly, our understanding Our views, our beliefs about God are distorted. And we can even move into, God, you've been holding out on me. You've led me to believe that you don't want me to enjoy life. Listen, here's, here's, here's a takeaway for us. We must use caution when we engage in conversations Um, let me explain what I'm trying to say. Uh, When you engage in a conversation and you can identify infection in that, you want to be careful how you proceed to it. It may not be that you can't engage fully in the conversation, but you have to be on guard so that you're not contaminated. And you have to be willing to speak the truth. Oftentimes, not always, those conversations become rooted in something of uh, pain, of unforgiveness, of anger, of bitterness. And there are times where a conversation will come up like that, and the conversation is coming up because the person genuinely needs help. They're looking for help. They, maybe they recognize that they've been contaminated, and they don't want to be contaminated anymore. And so you enter into that conversation, but you enter in as one who would bring healing and hope. But not as one who has opened yourself up to the contamination, to the deception, to the infection that might be in that conversation. We have to be on guard. And these conversations can happen anywhere. They can happen around the water cooler. They can happen after a board meeting. They can happen around the dinner table. They can happen in the hallway. But we must always be on guard. And, and, and here's, here's the deal. The only way to be on guard is to, admit, to submit yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that I've learned to do recently, uh, when I'm in a conversation, I invite the Holy Spirit to be the third person in that conversation. Holy Spirit, would you just, would you be present in this conversation? And may I hear you while I'm listening to what's going on. And trust me, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what you need to know. Every single time, the Holy Spirit will always reveal. Contamination breeds contamination. Um, 
I'm going to close, but I want to give you some homework. Are you okay with homework? Um, this week, beginning today, I want you to um, begin to conduct uh, a toxicity test. I want you to begin to assess the influences around you. I want you to assess the inside influences, the outside influences, and the fireside influences. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to identify to you if in any of those uh, areas of influence, um, there's something you've been missing. Um, is Is there toxicity in any of those areas? And if so, then ask the Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? How do I guard my heart? How do I guard my mind in this situation? And here's what I know. The, the Holy Spirit will always come through. The Holy Spirit will always show you, will always reveal to you. If you invite the Holy Spirit in to be part of the conversation. Here's the question I want you to ask this week. How muddy is my water? How muddy have I allowed my water to become? Because remember, we are not without choice as to what we will allow to influence us, to infect our character or our behavior, or to add value to our character and behavior. But we have to be proactive. Would you stand? I want to pray for you as you start this journey of homework this week. Father, thank you for your presence in this place today. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I ask that as we leave today, that uh, by your Holy Spirit, you would just uh, help us, reveal to us um, areas that we need to make changes because of toxic influences. Show us, give us wisdom, give give us discernment as, as to how to act in each one of those situations. And Father, I also ask that you would uh, help us to be willing to honestly act, ask, am I the toxic influence in any of my relationships, in any of these situations? And if so, Father God, I pray that you would bring us to a place of repentance and forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. Father God, I pray a blessing over this people today of divine favor, uh, health, and every good thing that you could possibly could continue to give from them by your spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 